Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Welcome back to the Growth Island Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about aging and how do you live a healthy life and ensure that those last years or many last years are actually really good years. And for that, I got a PhD in. She has a PhD in molecular biology from Newcastle University. It's Nicole, Nicola, colon. I did a horrible job of pronouncing that, but she is on many big, big podcasts. She uh, is also the co-founder of Nuchito, which helps support NAD production. And for those of you that's a little bit in the longevity space of biohacking, you've heard about NAD and about like, what is that? So, Nicola, thank you so much for uh, coming on. No, thank you for having me. Nicola, you know a bunch of stuff about longevity and how we live long years. Like, how did you get into that? Well, um, it's not something, I, if I'm quite honest, that I, I set off to be on, to be interested in. My background is actually in, in just physiology and I studied that at university. I actually specialized when I did my PhD, looking at drug and nutrient transport and how, when you take a drug orally, does it get to where it needs to be? And this actually led me down a industrial career path. I actually went and worked in, in drug development. And while I was working in drug development, that is when I became aware of this whole idea of this sort of aging field and studying the biology of aging because there was starting to be sort of rumblings within the pharmaceutical community that there was a possibility that one day we might develop a drug that would actually slow aging. And even to me back at that time, sounded like an absolutely crazy idea. You know, aging is this thing that happens. There's nothing you can do about it. It's a natural phenomenon and it just happens. So when I first heard about it, I was a little bit skeptical, but then the company that I actually worked for were actually really interested in this. Um, and they said to me, we actually want you to look into this further because there's quite a few companies that are now getting interested in it. We we'll want you to look into the science and we want you to, to basically, you know, do an audit almost of the science and tell us, is this a real thing? Like, is this actually possible? Could you ever develop a drug that would slow aging? So that, that's what I went away and, and did, you know, I spent a year, nearly a year and a half actually just going to all the conferences that were looking at science that could potentially slow aging, reading all the papers, meeting all the key people in the field. And perhaps for, you, for your listeners, it, you know, they're probably sitting here thinking, what's a drug for aging? That's crazy. So the sort of, the sort of reasoning behind it is that drugs companies are obviously trying to develop all sorts of pharmaceuticals to treat disease. And they're targeting all different things in the body to try and treat all these array of diseases that we suffer. 
However, one of the biggest risk factors for many of the major diseases that drugs companies are looking for is actually your age. So if you think cancer, heart disease, like all the cardiovascular diseases, dementia, the neurological diseases, basically getting older is worse than any of the other things you can do that are bad for your health. So scientists have began to say, well, if age is the biggest risk factor, what, and we're now showing that aging can be slowed at a cellular level, then why aren't we targeting this as, as a drug target? So that is, that's where it's all sort of came from. And that's how I got involved in it, working in the drugs industry. Fantastic. It's fascinating with this new paradigm of aging potentially being a disease, something we can slow down. When I first read uh, Dave Sinclair's book, Dave Sinclair from uh, Harvard, the ones that doesn't know about him, where actually goes in and discusses like it might actually be a disease. And as you said as well, if we can target aging, then cancer and many other things are not as important to focus on. Like if we optimize for that, how many extra years would we actually get compared to targeting aging, which is fascinating. And more and more researchers like yourself are getting into this space, which is fantastic to see. Like we're still at the early stage of this, you could say, but there's so much money being put into research now. And yeah. Since I got involved, it's really growing exponentially. So I'd say over the last sort of definitely five years, maybe it's a bit beyond that, but it really has um, taken off in terms of the funding that is now becoming available. And we really still are at the earlier stages, you know, even as, as close as probably 10 years ago, it's a science researcher would have never wrote on a scientific grant that they were trying to cure aging because people would just laugh at them and be like, go and work on cancer or something useful. You know, people had to almost do this in secret because it was, you know, there wasn't enough evidence, although people had the thought that it was possible. But now there's so much evidence and so much scientific literature and proof and data to show that you can reverse aging on a cellular level, that it's now a real thing. It's a huge industry with massive potential, but it's, you know, most everyday people who aren't involved in this field are oblivious to it. They have no idea what's going on. And sometimes I have to remember when I talk to my friends and family and I'm, you know, casually talking about curing aging and they look at me like I'm crazy that people just aren't exposed to this way of thinking. Like everyone just still thinks there's nothing they can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so. I'm also biased because I'm in these health circles, right? And you realize sometimes like some of the stuff you take for granted is like, it's just not mainstream yet. So, but there's a ton of stuff we could dive into yeah. this episode. We're going to go deeper into NAD. So that's one of the hot words in these longevity fields. What the hell is NAD? <laughs> yeah. So, so NAD is one of these breakthroughs that I, I just sort of mentioned. So there's, there's been several different areas of biology that, that have been found to have, to have an influence on aging actually. And actually by controlling these areas of biology, you can actually imp impact aging in a positive way. And one of them is NAD. So NAD is, here's a science lesson coming up. It, it's basically, it, it's a natural molecule. It's found in every single cell in your body. And it's got some really important functions in the cell. And the two main ones are firstly, it's involved in our energy production. 
So inside our cells, we have little things called mitochondria, which are like little energy producing factories, which are converting all our food into energy that the cells can use. And basically they do not function without this critical NAD molecule. So that's the first thing that it's really important for is generating our energy from our food. The other thing that it's really important for is actually acting as a signaling molecule in the cell. As levels of NAD go up and down, they basically switch on and off various other things in the cell. And some of the most important things that they switch on and off are repair and maintenance mechanisms in the cell. So your cells are constantly needing to be repaired. They're constantly under attack with oxidative stress and DNA damage and things like that. And NAD actually acts as a signal to switch on lots of little repair and helper mechanisms that actually fix all that damage. So that's continuously going on inside you all the time. You don't even know that your cells are just repairing and recycling themselves. And basically NAD coordinates some of this job. Now, the reason it's... So yeah. some of the listeners have heard words, words like autophagy that often have them when we're fasting. Any uh, connections here? Yep, absolutely. So, so NAD is important in autophagy. So autophagy is, is signaled by NAD as well. That's part of all these maintenance and repair mechanisms, these cellular maintenance and repair mechanisms that are going on, which the levels of NAD help to coordinate them being switched on and switched off. And the reason it, it becomes a problem with aging is because our NAD levels decline quite significantly as we get older. So when we're born, we have really high levels, but as we get you know, to midlife, they've dropped quite a lot. So as we get to elderly ages, there's really not very much NAD left at all. And to put that into sort of numbers, you're looking at about a 50% decrease in your NAD levels every 20 years. So, you know, that's an awful lot to be dropping out of the cells, considering how important it is. So scientists sort of said, well, you know, if we've got this molecule in your cells, it's obviously really important. It does all these important jobs that are linked to aging and it declines as you get older. What happens if you don't let it decline as you get older? What happens if you keep your NAD levels at a youthful level and you just don't let them decline? So there was a series of very high profile studies that demonstrated that actually, if you could keep NAD levels high in cells or mammals, you actually could stop or even reverse some of the age-related decline that is associated with lack of energy and also with lack of maintenance and repair in the cells. So there was like fundamental uh, things that NAD coordinates. So obviously, or is that? Yep, it was done in it was done in mice and in cells, and now more recently, there's been strategies and studies in humans to demonstrate that you can boost your NAD levels. So. After those results, there was a huge rush to how can we translate this to human How can we actually keep NAD levels high in human cells and can we get the benefits from it? So that has been a, a major area of focus within the longevity field. And, uh, you know, it now is starting to become more mainstream where people are asking, well, you know, I've heard about this NAD molecule. What does it do? <laughs> like, what is it? But there's still a huge lack of understanding 
of actually what it is and, and why it's important and also the best ways to actually boost it in your body as you get older. Yeah. So for the layman, you can kind of say NAD boost your cells. And if yeah. cells are healthy, then you're going to feel better. Exactly. Exactly that. Okay. So if you're sitting at a pub and someone's like just watching a football match, that would be an easy translation. Yeah. So, so if we're like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Let's chop up on that NAD. So also like what's the difference in NAD and NAD plus? Because you often see both things like, what does that mean? Yeah. So it's uh, NAD, the three ways you often see it written, NAD, NAD plus and NADH. And basically people tend to write NAD with and without the plus interchangeably. There's not really, you know, a great deal of difference there, but on a molecular term, there is a difference between NAD plus and NADH and NAD plus is basically what we would call an oxidized form of NAD and NADH is called a reduced form of NAD. And basically this is a, in chemical terms, it's to do with the, the function of how NAD works. So basically NAD flips between these two different states very easily by losing or gaining an ele an electrons. And that's how it actually generates, helps to generate energy in the mitochondria. So in the body, Sometimes it'll be NAD plus and sometimes it'll be NADH, but the one that's most implicated in longevity and aging is the NAD plus form. Got it. So how do we boost NAD? The million dollar question. <laughs> yes. So that. How about a current uh, state? Because I guess it's. I think. When it's always in years, it's going to be, we'll know new things. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I think. The main thing for people to understand before you can grasp how to boost your NAD is first of all, you need to understand why it's actually declining in your body and how your body actually normally produces it when it's young. So to answer that question, the, the first thing is when you're young, basically the way your body makes NAD, it essentially recycles NAD. So as NAD is used in your body, it's actually broken down into what we would call precursors, which are like the raw material or the building blocks that make NAD. Because one thing to consider is NAD is so important in your cells that your cells make their own NAD because they can't rely on it coming from external sources. They, they rely on just having a continuous supply. So they don't want to risk waiting for you to eat something <laughs> that has NAD in it. So basically your, your cells are continuously making NAD. They're breaking it down by using it up back into the raw materials, which the cell then recycles straight back into fresh NAD again. And in young, healthy cells, that is the predominant way that NAD is actually made. Now, as you get older, unfortunately, the ability for your cells to actually make and recycle NAD declines. So this has now been well studied and it's found that this is one of the major causes of NAD decline. So you, you, your cells simply can't keep up with that demand anymore. The other thing is that as you get older, you also have more damage in your cells and your cells are less efficient at repairing things. So there is actually a higher demand for NAD because all of those repair mechanisms that are using up NAD need more. So 
this is sort of a, you know, two bad things going on at once. Not only have you got the cells have a higher demand for NAD, so they're using more and breaking it down, that recycling pathway that would normally slip that back into fresh NAD again isn't working. So it's kind of, you've got this demand and you, your body just can't fulfill it. So it kind of makes the whole situation even worse. So, so they're the two key things to remember. So if, there, if that's the reason why it's declining, the obvious way to try and fix that is actually go, well, can we fix that recycling pathway in the cell? Is there a way that we can switch back on that pathway, that recycling pathway, so the cell is young and efficient at making its own NAD again like it did when it was younger? And that is the best strategy, basically, to try and fix those broken NAD levels. Unfortunately, there's a lot of other strategies that are also out there. And what they focus on doing is actually just supplying the cell with more raw material. So that approach is, well, if you've got low NAD levels, surely if you take a supplement that contains some of the building blocks of NAD, somehow it's going to go in your mouth. Hopefully it's going to get to your cells. Hopefully your cells are going to make it into fresh NAD. There's a lot of hoping that's going to happen. And it does to some extent. There is some data to show that if you take precursors to NAD, it will be made into NAD. However, it completely ignores the reasons why your NAD is declined. So actually the better strategy is to try and look at ways in which you can actually boost the cell's own ability to make its, its own NAD again, because it's perfectly capable of doing it without any outside influence. It just loses that ability. And the reason it loses that ability is one of the key enzymes in that pathway declines with age. So some of the best strategies would be to actually try and boost the levels of the enzyme in your cells so it can naturally start generating and making its own NAD again. Got it. So. Uh, it's quite a lot to get your head around. So Sometimes little yeah. diagrams are easier. But. So kind of say you can either uh, supplement that uh, directly with NAD and hope that the body actually absorbs it and goes into the cells. Or well, that, that is one strategy with pure NAD. The issue yep. with that is, is NAD is really unstable. So remember I said it's naturally designed to flip between different forms and break down and be rebuilt. So actually just taking it, a pill that has pure NAD in it doesn't do anything at all because the NAD just gets broken down in your stomach and basically passed out or absorbed as, as precursors. But orally people can take the, the raw material, so the precursors that the body then takes into the cells and then it manufactures it into NAD. But again, that doesn't address the root cause. And you can also get an IV, right? Yeah, yeah. So IVs are becoming definitely more popular. They get around the, wet, the, the problems associated with NAD getting broken down in the, in the gut because you're bypassing the gut, going straight into the blood. And there's a little bit of a argument over how much of the NAD actually goes into the cells whole versus how much gets broken down and then taken up and then reassembled back together. The jury's still out on that one. But again, IVs are very, very expensive. The issue with IVs is that if your cells can't recycle NAD when it's been broken down, you're going to pay an awful lot of money 
to have some NAD put into your cells that the cells can then use once, but then they can't recycle it. Whereas if you had that pathway, that recycling pathway working really well, the cells could actually continue to benefit from that IV NAD because once it's in the cell, it can be used, it can be recycled, it can be used again, it can be recycled, but only if that recycling pathway is actually working and fully functional. Got it. We'll come back to that, but just so someone listening can kind of understand the different opportunities and how that fit in. But the IV, just to put a word on that, that's basically when you get a needle in and it gets yeah. injected directly in your body. So those are some of the words. And then you say like, but we could also instead actually work on how do we fix the body's own ability to produce an AD and how do we support that? And that's exactly you suggest is the best approach. Yeah. Because it's actually addressing the real reasons that are actually causing that decline in the first place. Whereas the other approaches are kind of just ignoring what's gone wrong and just trying to, you know, paper over the gaps. <laughs> so just so keep painting the wall instead yeah. of actually making sure that the wall doesn't lose the painting. Yeah. And, and I often use an analogy about a factory to, to help people understand things. So imagine that your cell is a factory. And it, and it makes NAD. And for some reason, this factory has become really inefficient. So, you know, it's at 50% efficiency and the, you know, the manager's like, how are we going to increase efficiency? And he's standing in the factory and he's looking and he's saying, well, I can see that the machines are broken. I can see that I'm short staffed. I can see that the pipes are leaking, but I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to order some more raw material and hope that increases production. Would you do that? I mean, it would be ridiculous. Actually, what you need to do is you need to fix the machines. You need to get more staff. You need to plug the leaks and actually address what the real issue is. And then you could probably increase production even without ordering any more raw material. So it's kind of getting people to think of it in, in that way. Yeah. So when I was looking at some of your material online, you also talk about natural ways of actually increasing this. But one thing is that you started this company that can help with, but you actually talk about several things and not just only a product. So what are some of the, the ways that we can naturally boost an AD? So one, one of the best ways is looking at fasting, which I know you, you briefly mentioned earlier. So NAD levels you know, can naturally fluctuate according to, you know, what you're eating. NAD can almost be measured as a, like a mark, is a sort of link between energy stress and NADs in the middle. And then you've got the cells. So the, cell, the NADs going up or down, depending on how much energy stress the cell has. Because if you think about it, if you, if that cell is in energy stress. So you're fasting, you've got no nutrients coming in. The cell kind of needs to say, right, there's energy stress here. We're not going to get a new supply of amino acids or whatever we need to build new things. Therefore, the cell is going to have to be resourceful. It's going to have to repair things. It's going to have to recycle things. And therefore, let's put NAD up so it switches on all those things and we're not being wasteful. However, if you're eating burgers, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you've got an abundance of energy coming in, your NAD levels are dropping, it's saying to the cell, do you know what? Do what you want. Don't need to repair ourselves. Got loads of energy coming in. Like our body's not in danger. What's the point in trying to fix it? So, so that's one way that NAD can fluctuate with fasting. The other thing 
is exercise. So when I'm talking about this recycling pathway and it declining as you get older, and the reason it declines is because of a, of a key enzyme in that pathway specifically declines, and this enzyme is called NAMPT. And exercise has been shown to actually boost your NAMPT levels in your cells. So just by doing some exercise, you can actually improve the recycling capacity of your cells to use and recycle NAD. And so that's been quite well studied now as well. Fantastic. So it's interesting how the more people talk about in the longevity space, everyone is just like fasting is the thing. Eat less is fantastic. We have that. That's a free thing. And exercise, everyone talks about that as well. So those are two things you can do. You also produce a product that can actually help with this. Tell me some more about that. And you're doing the study right now where you're actually getting tested and shown that it increases the levels of NAD. Yeah. So the, basically the reason I founded Nichido was from working in drug development, I obviously had this experience of the things that were possible in, in the aging field. And obviously there was this big push to look for drugs that would affect these things, these areas of biology. However, drug development has got a lot of red tape. There's, it's very difficult to get things to market. It takes a long time. Um, and I was slightly frustrated that there was all this incredible science going on that actually, how could we get this science to people much quicker than it's going to take to develop a drug and benefit people? And what we'd often find was that there were a lot of natural ingredients that actually work just as well as drugs, but drugs companies weren't interested in them because they couldn't own them or patent them or make the big money out of them like they were aiming to do. So basically our company was founded to basically take our scientific credibility and expertise from drug development, but bring it into the world of supplements, which quite frankly can be a little bit of the wild west and has a little bit of distrust with consumers, understandably, actually, because there are, there are some supplements out there that are questionable. However, we wanted to change that way. We wanted to bring science-backed supplements out and NAD was one of the first things that we chose to look at. And when we looked at all the literature around NAD and the, you know, the reasons that it was declining in the cell, the, the thing that became obvious to us was you need to fix that recycling pathway. So our supplement is basically designed to do that. So unlike the other supplements out there, which are just putting the raw material in, our supplement is different because it actually boosts the levels of the enzyme that recycles NAD in the cell when it's been used up and recycles it back into fresh NAD again. But not only that, you know, one thing that we're passionate about is that biology is complex and often there's not just one thing that's going wrong in biology. There's normally multiple things. And as we know with NAD, as I've just explained, not only is your recycling going down, but you're also using more. And quite often you're using it wastefully. I mean, this is also well published now. So we have other ingredients in our product that actually block some of this waste of NAD, some of these processes that are actually using up NAD unnecessarily. So, so we, rather than just ignoring all those different little problems that are going on. Our product is basically designed to address each part of the system that, that needs fixing in the cell. 
Fascinating. So I saw that you have some studies or you're working on some studies where it was like an increase of 200 and something percent. Yeah. And so, so that was our pilot study. So one of the benefits of, of going into supplement development is that we, the ingredients that we were choosing to use were all what, what are called generally recognized as safe. So they're already approved for human use, which means that you can just sort of cut out a whole huge chunk of development time and actually test them straight away in humans, which, you know, that's what we want to test them in. If it's humans that are going to be taking them, you know, we'd only be testing them in mice because we know that doesn't always translate. So we went straight into human studies and we had two human volunteers and they both took this, the supplement that we developed for 16 days and basically it increased over the 16 days by an average of 242% their NAD levels above baselines, above what they started with. So that's quite a significant increase when you compare with supplements that are published data that only use the precursor approach, which generally give about a 40 to 60% boost in NAD levels, which is obviously something, but 242% is significantly more. And we believe the reason that it is better is because again, you're just addressing the root cause of that decline and actually fixing, fixing the problem. So that was our, our pilot study. We now have a, a larger study with 24 people. It's, this is a double-blinded placebo-controlled crossover study because my background is in drug development. So I'm passionate about having some real good controlled testing. And we, you know, we should have had the results for this ages ago, but because of COVID and the way the world is right now, everything's shut. That's been delayed, but we're hopeful that we'll be able to get that study tied up soon and, and get some results. And in that study, you know, we're looking at various different things. We're not only looking at NAD levels, but we're actually looking at what are the things is that doing in the cell for the health of the cells of these people um, to show that having higher NAD levels does actually benefit cellular health. Got it. I really look forward to seeing uh, that research coming out. But I yes, imagine you been a long time waiting for us. <laughs> I can imagine, but it's going to be fantastic to get out. So, do you need to do this like your entire life, or is it like you do it in cycles, or, or how does that work? So, so this is one of the things that we're really interested in looking at in our study. So, I mean, if you're looking at its strategies that are using the precursor approach, so just putting raw material in because you're not fixing the root cause, then technically that is a lifetime approach because you're never fixing anything. You're just, again, papering over or painting over the cracks or whatever with, you know. However, with our approach, because we are boosting the levels of those enzymes and improving the efficiency of the cell, it, there is a possibility that might benefit from a cycling approach that, you know, once you boosted the enzymes, it might stay there for a while. And then, you know, but this is something we don't know. So this is something that we are looking into in testing. But the one thing I think to, you know, to kind of discuss is that a lot of these interventions and strategies when they do with aging need to be considered as like almost like an investment in your cellular health. They're not going to be some sort of quick 
fix where you do it once and then that's it. You know, at the end of the day, NAD declines, that's a given. It keeps going down. <laughs> um, so, you, you know, it's, it's, it's actually keeping that at a level that's healthy. Um, and, and that healthy level, it's going to be easier to get to or maintain if you start earlier versus somebody that's older that has to almost pull it back up to useful levels again and then keep it there. So yeah, you, you have to look at a lot of these things as it is a bit of investment in your health. Got it. And how about like, when should you start? Now you pointed to like the earlier you start, the better, but I know several friends have looked at it and they're like, wow, it's a big investment because NAD supplements are still fairly expensive. Depends on how yeah. much money you're making. So they're like, should they wait a few more years? Like, uh, is it so important for them right now? Are the prices going to, like, why is it so expensive right now? Is it because it's a new industry and we don't have the raw materials? So we're looking at, like, in five years' time, it's going to be available for most people, like many other supplements. And there was too many questions in one. Sorry, Nicola. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. So the first question was, you know, what age? And I, this is something I, I get asked a lot. And, you know, there is no set answer to it. Per personally, looking at all the data I've seen, I would say mid-30s that's when it really starts to tail off. And I'd say that there's no coincidence that around that age is where you start noticing the first sort of signs and symptoms of aging, such as, you know, you're not recovering like you used to. You may be getting the odd wrinkle or gray hair. You're not feeling as energetic as you used to. So I would say around that age, however, NAD levels are not only influenced by your age, they're also heavily influenced by your lifestyle. So if you're, say, a 35-year-old that is super fit, is exercising all the time, is eating really clean, has perfect sleep, is fasting, you know, is doing everything, then the likelihood is that you'll have good NAMPT levels and good NAD levels and good recycling. However, if you're a 35-year-old that's eating cheeseburgers all day and not exercising and staying up all night and not sleeping properly and blah, 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 all of the bad things, then your NAD levels are likely to be much lower. And there's also various health conditions that are known to be associated with, with low NAD. Again, things that are generally associated with a poor lifestyle like obesity, and also like metabolic diseases like fatty liver and diabetes, those types of, of diseases. People tend to have a lower baseline NAD level regardless of their age. Um, possible to go to a doctor and get your NAD level measured because then you could be like, okay, like there's a million things that I can do for longevity and good health. Where should I put my money? Unfortunately not. I think if you went to your doctor and asked to have your NAD levels measured, they wouldn't even know what you were talking about. If I'm quite honest, at least in the UK, they would have absolutely no idea. And that's because, you know, it's these ideas, these biohacking interventions and that, that we would refer to them as and these new anti-aging if you want to call it that things are just so far removed from the forefront of medicine which is definitely not preventative it's reactive it's you know you go to your doctor when you're sick to have something measured in your blood that's probably elevated because you're sick you don't go generally to check that something's within a normal range 
at least in the UK, we don't, but the, the key thing with NAD is you, you, it's difficult to measure. So it's but you not. measured in your studies. Yes, we, we do. Yeah. So it's, it not... when I say it's difficult to measure, it is a blood test, but it's not available as a, as a standard consumer test. And that's again, because NAD is really unstable. So it's not something that you can just take a fingerprint, put some blood in a vial and post it off and then get some results back. When you do, when we do these tests in our labs, in our clinics, we basically have to take the blood. The blood has to be immediately placed on ice and then it has to be immediately processed to extract the cells and and then cryo, cryo frozen, so frozen below minus 80 um, to preserve the NAD so it doesn't get degraded. So unfortunately, what that means is it's just really difficult to measure in a doctor's surgery or to measure at home or, or anywhere really you kind of need access to people who can immediately pro process the blood. And then the actual test for doing it is, is quite expensive as well. Um, so it's, I really hope someone will develop something that may be an indirect measure of your NAD or something like that, that's consumer friendly, because I think it would be, you know, because it's so important in the body, it would be a really good thing to track and monitor, but unfortunately we're not quite there yet. What about some of the functional medicine doctors? Do any of them do these kinds of tests? Because I know like one thing is your standard doctor. Um, so functional medicine doctors, definitely, obviously they know all about NAD, but it's the same issues with testing it. I know recently there have been some tests that are starting to be advertised as an NAD blood test that you can, you know, functional medicine doctors can do, or you can do at home. Again, I haven't seen any data that would support the stability of those tests. I know from our own stability tests that NAD degrades very quickly if it's not processed immediately. So I still, you know, here to be corrected if I'm wrong, but I'd like to see some data from these companies that shows that actually, you know, it is stable on a blood spot card or it is stable in a vial because from what I've seen, it's not. So I don't know how they're getting around that. And I'd be a little bit skeptical because they are very expensive tests. So yeah, still hoping someone will develop something, but not quite there yet in terms of a consumer product. There might be an option for one of, or an opportunity for one of the listeners out there. If yeah. Some good scientist or someone that's like, I gotta find a scientist. If this is really the future that uh, we need to ensure our NAD levels, then it makes sense that you can kind of test it to figure out what should you take and how much should you take. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And this is it because it could be that, you know, depending on your age, you need to take different doses or maybe you take a half dose or every other day, if you're younger and then you're older, you need a bigger dose. And for that reason, we actually recruited a big range of age groups. So we had people from age 20 all the way up to age 80 in our study, because one of the things we really want to look at is they were all on the same dose, but does it have as much impact in an older person or do they need a higher dose or alternatively, do you see a much higher impact in an older person because they simply have more need for it? Whereas a younger person, you don't see as much of an impact because their NAD levels are higher already, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And um, so they're all interesting things that we will, will be looking at. Yeah. 
what are their projections in regards to getting this uh, at a price that more people will buy? So today I think it's like £60 a month uh, yes. for your product, which like, if you have money, you want to invest in your longevity, it makes sense with some of these different products. But if someone is sitting like, I'm just simply not making enough money, what will have to happen for the prices to go down? So, so personally for, for our company, it's about growing the awareness of NAD, you know, it, at the moment it's still relatively unknown. And as with anything that you have to manufacture, the more demand there is, the better prices you can get on raw materials, the cheaper you can make it, the cheaper you can sell it on to your customers. It's sort of a, a vicious circle and that you just, you have to be able to have those early adopters who are, are willing to pay you know, a more expensive price because they believe in it and they want to be an early adopter and start taking it. And it's those people that then grow the popularity and the awareness until eventually it would hit mass and then it, it would be better economies of scale on, on raw materials. And I think, you know, that is the issue with a, a lot of the new things that come out in this space. You know, the adoption is slow to begin with, which is impacts on the, the cost that companies have to sell the, the products at. And, you know, the other thing is there's compared to some supplement companies that we've invested an awful lot in testing, you know, many people don't realize that the majority of supplements out there have never been actually tested on people and have no good data behind them. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like a balance of, of yes, it's more expensive, but would are you more willing to invest that if you've got some sort of guarantees or some more reassurance that it actually is working and it actually has some good science behind it? Because, you know, sci science is expensive to do. But it, like, there's no doubt, not of the supplement industry is absolutely like, it's crap. <laughs> like, if you look at fish oil and so on like so much of it's contaminated right and it's so hard because it's not regulated in the same way as pharma so you really have as you said the wild west where you have super good quality and then you have a lot of stuff that actually do more harm than good so yeah and, and this is that the cheap stuff is not always <laughs> no um but with most innovations as well often the price starts really high just like yeah. the tesla and different things and then or like dna test was like a billion dollars for the first one right and then you see technology getting cheaper. And so it's yeah. interesting to understand, like, is it the technology for do producing it? Or it might more be the being able to produce it at mass so you get better prices on the raw materials. Yeah, a bit of both. You know, I think, you know, initially for our company, you know, we began in 2017 as a startup company. So, you know, we had to basically fund all the testing, fund all the formulation, the development without, you know, starting from nothing, we weren't selling anything, we weren't making any revenue. So it's all of those costs that had to be absorbed initially to get it to the point where we could. And, and I think, you know, we've got several, obviously we spoke about NAD today, but we actually work on several other areas of aging with other products coming through the pipelines, which again, are all completely new. They're completely new concepts of things that haven't really been brought out with supplements before addressing areas of cellular aging that just are unheard of <laughs> in the supplement space. So it takes a, a lot of extra effort in, you know, actually the, the test and the development, the formulation, and also the raw materials, because they're not 
bog standard things that you would get off the shelf, like, you know, a vitamin C or a zinc or whatever, they're, they're things that are more expensive generally because they're not as common. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. So hopefully people can get on board, help drive the adoption, and then they'll be able to see prices going down. And yeah. people that are having lower paid jobs that are still spending most of the money on getting healthy food might have to wait a little bit before they're jumping on this. Yeah, exactly. You know, and in the meantime, they can go to the pub and tell their mates that NAD is something that is good for your cellular health. And that, you know, you don't need expensive supplements necessarily. You can exercise, you know, you can actually do fasting and, and other things that are free. So NAD is something that there are multiple ways and, you know, some people choose supplements, some people will choose to exercise, some people will do everything, but there are options and yeah, but I think first of all, it's that education and getting more people to actually be familiar with what it is and what it's doing in the body and why they should care about their NAD levels. Yeah. Nicola, time is flying. As you can sense, I promise you wouldn't be too long, but I have so many questions because it's so fascinating and I would love to hear more about the other projects you have coming out. But I guess uh, I'll have to invite you back for another session. Where can people find out more about you and your company? So for me personally, they can generally I'm on Instagram. They can follow me at Dr. Nicola Conlon, which I'm sure you can spell out in the, in the show notes. And we also have at Nachido, which is a, a company Instagram account. And we're also on Facebook in the usual places. And also our website, which is www.nachido.com. And Nachido is spelled N-U-C-H-I-D-O. And there we've got a lot of information about the studies and the product and the ingredients. And um, yeah, so go and check that out. Fantastic. And before we talk, before we started, you talked that you might be able to give a discount for the listeners. Yes, absolutely. We'll get a discount code sorted out for your listeners because, you know, we do appreciate that it is an expensive product and that people may not be able to afford it. So anything we can do to help people, you know, we certainly will do that. Yeah. And someone is listening, thinking like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, I can help by buying this product and helping myself. Are there any other ways that people can help you and your company? Well, I think, you know, just actually spreading the word. And so if hopefully people have learned something <laughs> by listening to this today. So, you know, going and, and talking to their friends and family about it uh, and actually, you know, just trying to spread the word and educate people about what NAD is and, and why it's important. And also have, you know, have those conversations with people about aging. And about actually, did you know, it's not inevitable, you know, ha having those conversations about aging as a disease, like what do people think about that? Because generally I can tell you from experience, it's a very controversial subject when you first bring it up <laughs> because people have this mindset, like there is nothing you can do about aging. Like how dare you try to play God or whatever. But when you start talking to people and say, well, actually like just think about all of those diseases that you might have saw your parents or your grandparents suffer from, like cancer or dementia or all those awful things. Like, what happens if I told you that there was actually something you could do about that to reduce your risk of all of them? And then normally people start listening and saying, okay, like, tell me about it. 
And then, you know, you say, well, actually agents, the biggest risk factor. So what happens if you target that? And then, well, you can't, you know, you can't do that. That's crazy. But then you go, well, actually there's so much scientific evidence that you can do that. And then there's loads of books out there you can read that tell you all about it. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's people tend to very quickly start shifting their opinions, especially when you start talking and, and make it relatable to them. You know, talking about if they've seen, most people have seen elderly relatives suffer with dementia or something like that. And if you're telling them something you could do about that, hmm. you know, this isn't inevitable anymore. Go and Google it. Go and read some, some some things on the internet about it. You know, there's a lot out there now. So that's one way people could help is just have the conversations and, and actually talk about it with people and, and get people to think differently. Fantastic. Well, this is definitely one way of putting out the word uh, and starting that conversation. Nicola, thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.